0: All right, let's get back to the uh, phone lines. It'll be Elroy and then Marcy, and I have two open lines. Grab one if you'd like. Uh, good morning, Elroy. Morning, morning, sir. Uh,
1: that kind of an odd question. My my daughter built a house out in the middle of my pasture, and they brought in a bunch of fill, and in the fill there was a couple of moonflowers to, uh, uh-huh. came mm-hmm. up.
0: Right. And
1: uh I know years ago in the fifties drought, uh my uncle had a bunch of those and he lost a couple of cattle. Yes, sir. And the vet says that's what it came from is that possible?
0: Yes, sir, it is. Now, when we say moonflower, there are two different plants that are commonly called moonflowers. One of them, not the one you're talking about, there's one, it's a vining plant, it's actually like a morning glory, it's just a white morning glory, and um it is. Uh, it doesn't grow wild that much. So people that you know may may be familiar with that one. Um, the vining form is not what you and I are talking about. The one that we are talking about is a bushy plant. That uh, it's actually uh, technically, if you were to look it up, it's a datura. D a t u r a. It is toxic. It makes a funny-looking little, just like covered with prickles, a little uh, seed head to it. Uh, They call it local weed is another common name for that plant because when cattle eat it, it causes uh, a very severe neurological issue. Um, Cows, I don't think... Dumb as they are, I don't think they would normally touch it like you so accurately pointed out. Back in days when we had uh, even worse trouts than we've had recently, uh, you know, of course, cow will eat anything green, and they are quite toxic to cattle. But uh, in, in more typical situations when there's plenty of other things to eat, the cattle will leave them alone. But uh, uh, I certainly would not want them growing around a pasture where my cows graze.
1: Yeah, she says, oh, I'll just let them them, uh, flower, because they're they're so good-looking. And and I checked them yesterday, and there are seeds
2: everywhere.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to have to get out probably early in the spring and, you know, spray a little vinegar and orange oil or something to kill them when they come up. Or you can just pull them up. They, you know, are very distinctive and where your fields are you know, basically grass, you will recognize the uh, the daturas coming up, and you can get rid of them. I agree, they are a very pretty flower, but if she really wants one, tell her to put it in a pot and grow it on her porch. I remember the old Specs restaurant out on uh, Specs Road off Blanco. They used to have some absolutely gorgeous ones in whiskey barrels out in front of that building, and everybody looked at them and admired them, but uh grown in a pot in the yard, not a problem. Grown out in the pasture, yeah, if you're a cattleman, you don't want that.
1: Well, I know years ago I uh you know, one would pop up here and there. I used to tell them yeah. they actually stink.
0: <laughs> they do. They most certainly do. I can't see why anything would eat those things, but uh uh, cows are not known for their, uh, IQ. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. They're clever, but they are definitely not smart. They know where that hole in the fence is. And it's like, you know, we all have holes in the fence. I've had a string of bad luck lately with people running off the road and taking out sections of my fence along the highway. And, you know, cows get out. All you have to do is yell at them. And they go run right back to the hole and go back in. So they're clever, but they'll sometimes eat things they shouldn't. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Good
0: question. It's nice to hear from you. Hope you have a have a happy Christmas season.
1: Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Elroy. Bye. Bye. All right. Marcy's up next. Good morning, Marcy. Good morning. Good morning. I've been
3: waiting waiting to call um because we just closed in our on our new house yesterday.
0: Congratulations.
3: Thanks, and I have a, a beautiful, huge yard at my current house, and I have a vegetable garden and i have some uh sugar snap peas uh, the oregon variety i yeah. think you recommended yeah. and they they look really good but i'm not going to be here much longer they just start getting flowers <laughs> okay. i've had them in the ground a, a couple months right. and they just now are really taking off right. um but oh well that's
4: that's that's okay
0: yeah here's um, here's I'm, the good news if you <laughs> have them flowers you'll have you'll have uh assuming that we don't get real severe weather, and it's certainly not on the Mm -hmm. forecast right now, but you'll be eating eating peas in about four or five days if you're starting to get flowers now.
3: Oh, really? Okay, good. And the
0: the other good news is you can plant another crop up in January at your new home, and they will start Mm -hmm. producing uh, mid-spring. thing about sugar snaps, uh, typically cold weather doesn't bother them. They'll go down at least into the 20s without a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. But the cold weather does tend to kill the flowers, so you don't get oh, okay. you don't get production during the middle of the winter when we have frost on a regular basis. So I used to always plant mine in early January and then enjoy them through the spring. And let a friend talk me into trying them in the fall. And most years, you know, you can get sometimes a bigger crop in the fall than you do in the spring. They're going to grow and produce up until you know, the weather gets too hot, hot weather, just you'll start getting spider mites mm-hmm. and then they're gone. But, um, you, you will be enjoying them probably within a week. You'll be picking sugar snaps and, uh, enjoying them in your existing home and then, uh, getting to your new place. I know you will have a, a, a lot of things on your plate moving into a new house, but if you can get a garden area mm-hmm. up and going, uh, you can certainly plant them January, February, and still have at least some time to pick them next spring.
3: Well, and that was, that wasn't, this is the main reason I'm actually calling. I just wanted to tell you I was excited about my
0: journey. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, we, yeah, I don't really have do another person good. holding right now, so we we can talk until I need to do okay. a commercial break. So tell me what your principal interests are.
3: Uh, okay, well, um. so yes, we are going to be very busy when, when we're moving, and, but the, the thing I'm worried about is this, this ha- neighborhood, you have to have Bermuda grass, period. You, you cannot have any any other kind of grass. Okay. And so what my thought was ideally is to immediately as soon as we got possession of the house is take that section of Bermuda grass out that I know I'm going to put my my vegetable garden in. Uh-huh. And it's only they laid this grass like a week ago. Oh, okay, very brown, good. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean it's 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 already brown, but who cares because it's probably easier for me to just lift it off
0: absolutely but
3: if i if I don't have time though, and say say I waited till January, would that make a difference? you it'd, think
0: it' make a big difference. You want to get rid really? of it right now, you're looking at oh, for vegetable garden size, you're looking at fifteen minutes' work because if that grass That's was true. just laid it it has not gotten any roots down. I would take a yeah. grubbing hole with me just in case there are places where it, you know, has gotten its roots down. But let me tell you, it's 15 minutes now or 15 hours later trying okay. to get rid of it because the roots will stay active all winter long. And okay. and I can't tell you how many people out there are saying, man, I wish I heard her situation to get rid of this Bermuda grass because solarization is the, yeah, you, you are lucky in, in that regard. We don't know what else may be there. Is this a new home or is it an existing home that's... Uh, how uh, preoccupied home, shall we call it?
3: It's brand new, okay. and they have a very strict um, homeowners association, but I don't really care because we're in the very new section, and we yeah. don't have many – we don't really have any neighbors around us right now. Sure. But – what I was going to do is, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Then what you said. What's this other grubbing hoe? What, what's that? A is grubbing that a
0: cool? grubbing hoe is uh, <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it is uh, it is the really the only way to get out of grass and some weeds and things. You certainly know what a pickup look a pickaxe looks like pickaxe mm-hmm. that has the point on one end and then kind of a chisel yeah. on the other end. If you took that chiseled in and broadened it out to where it was about three inches wide. And then if mm-hmm. you took the front end where the point is, if you just if you flatten that out but then turned it vertical instead of horizontal. That is, in a nutshell, what a grubbing hoe looks like, and you just use that uh, the flat broad part. You just—I've been using one a lot because I'm putting in a rock patio near a new greenhouse. It's oh, almost okay. finished, and you can just, you know, s- just slide that along. Just let gravity do the work, and it will cut any roots that have gone into the ground. I doubt if you're going to need to do that. If the grass has been in a week, you should be able to just mm-hmm. pick it up. Um if you want to put it somewhere else, I mean, if you have a vacant lot next to you or something like that, and you want to just put it down over there and let it start growing, you know, it's a shame to waste it. But uh, if you I don't know, have yeah, a place for it or it anything there. else, uh, um, just for today, just put it over there in a stack and then spread it out when and if you get the time to do it. But get it out of the place that you don't want it okay. and do that as soon as you possibly can.
3: All right, and then I'll call you I'll call you maybe in a week or two to see what my next step is. I, I just will, want to get that done first. I so.
0: will look forward to helping you whenever <laughs> okay. you need help, Marcy. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Day. And again, congratulations on your new home. It's gonna be a lot of work, but it's a it's a blank palette. Look carefully at other things. The builders tend to um Gosh, back in the days, a long time ago when I did a lot of landscaping, if uh, people with a new home wanted to qualify for a VA loan, you had to have two trees, eight shrubs, and grass in the front yard. And, yeah. <laughs> and so the builders typically provide that, and they're the cheapest, crappiest trees and shrubs and grasses they can find anywhere. So look carefully at other things that they have, may have planted, and uh, I'm sure your taste is much better than what theirs was. So just kind of like your... uh uh you know like your grass if they put two arizona ash trees in the yard or something like that you don't want to go ahead and get rid of them and replace them with monterey oak or cedar elm or something like that because uh you don't want to have to deal with problems that they may have left you and i i really commend you for being so proactive and wanting to get rid of that bermuda grass and uh i i promise you this that's something you'd want to do this afternoon if you can
3: well that's what i'm going to do i'm going to do it today and i also want to tell you one more thing um I know I know what you're saying about the they usually put in the you know the worst shrubs that you don't want, uh-huh. but I somehow I got really really lucky because normally with it, in this neighborhood they'll put in two crepe myrtle trees right mm-hmm. right by the house, <laughs> and then they'll put a little young magn- magnolia tree in a place that has no business being there it's going to get too big mm-hmm. it's ridiculous so well and it
0: they don't like ridiculous. our soil unless you're in real defense. deep soil uh-huh.
3: i i told my husband if they put that a magnolia there although i love them i'm i'm going to move it right away because it's stupid to, to leave it there right but what they end up putting is three pride of houston holly yeah and I'm so excited. They have red berries, and I just can't wait. I'm going to try to make it into a tree. And I've already looked online on how to trim it and stuff, yep. and it seems real easy.
0: It is very so. easy, and Pride of Houston is an outstanding, outstanding plant. If you want to make it into a tree, ride right by our nursery sometime. We've got one we made a tree out of years ago. It's probably 15, 18 oh, feet wow. tall, and you can see exactly how it works. The only thing I hope is that they planted your Pride of Houstons in the in a sunny spot.
3: Yeah, it's it, there's it's sunny. There's okay. no there's no. Um, yeah. Hey, you. No, <laughs> <things really laughs>
0: well, hard it, it would just be if fitting they ch- neighborhood. if they if they'd chosen a really good plant, but then planted it on the north side against the foundation where it got no sun. Then you definitely want to move it. But uh, pride of Houston's okay. an excellent choice, but it does need a real sunny area. So check that out. And
3: uh, okay, I'll definitely check.
0: Well, I look forward to hearing from you. And uh, sounds like Thank you've you. got a fun project. Thank okay. You. Thanks, Marcy. See you later. Bye, okay. bye. We start with James. Good morning, James. Morning, Bob. How you doing? Uh, just another great weekend out there. I'm in short, uh, short sleeves this morning, so this is my idea of winter garb.
2: Man, this is really good compost sifting weather. I tell you what. Man.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah.
2: I got five forty-five gallon tree pots full of sifted compost <laughs> out there in my
0: area. <laughs> well you go through you you grow a lot more crops than a lot of people do and uh you i'm sure can put every bit of that to use a man just cannot have too much good compost in my opinion boy that's the truest
2: statement i think i've ever heard that's, that's a fact uh I was out in my compost area, and I got really lucky. I got two little uh, hackberries coming up about an inch in diameter.
0: Uh-huh. And that
2: means I can go to the store and get two cans of uh, clean peaches and heavy syrup. Mm-hmm. Put on the... Put on the stubs when I cut them off.
0: Man. You guys ever try that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I actually hear that it's been featured in a couple of garden magazines lately. I've recommended it for a long time, especially with hackberries because they just re sprout, you cut them off, they resprout. you cut them off. but uh, And it doesn't stop them 100% of the time. And I have to say that uh, because those cans can tend to rust out pretty quickly in good organic soils, sometimes, you know, I'll take an aluminum soft drink can. Can of some sort and just take a pair of shears and cut the top out of it and i like that even better than i like the the metal cans just because they stick around a little bit longer but yeah that's that's uh, one of the better ways to get rid of them
2: well you don't have an excuse to get another can of peaches that
0: way. <laughs> well i can think of some beverages that you might like to have an excuse to get another can of <laughs> yes
2: sir hey when it comes to fertilizing onions uh Some of those folks say you don't need to fertilize them, and I I think those are the ones that don't grow the big onions. But uh, I've found that more fertilizer, more better on onions.
0: I feel the same way, and I feel like very regular watering. And you know that's why I always try to tell people that those rings in the onion, you're going to have as many rings as you have leaves on top of the plant. And so you want to keep that foliage healthy and beautiful, and fertilizer and water are the things that do that.
2: If you go in with a pre-plant like a uh, Medina growing green, and then you can side dress like a lot of people do, but a lot of folks are out there uh, using a liquid fertilizer to Mm -hmm. side dress with, what do you prefer?
0: I, I, I work a bunch of, uh, a good fertilizer like the growing green in before I plant. And I figure that's going to cover them for at least the first month or six weeks. And that's going to give me time to get other things done in the garden. And then I'll just start using my, my liquid fertilizer about every two weeks. That's what I try to do. I don't always get it done that often because, uh, I uh, have a few other obligations in life, but, yeah, I like to I like to start out really everything in the garden. I like to put it into really good soil, and you're just never going to go wrong with a good organic product because it's not going to burn. It's going to stay there. It's going to be available through cation exchange, and then after things are up and growing, then I just make up my liquid fertilizer and, uh, you know, apply that either through the drip system or just bucket by bucket depending on what the crop is. But that's what always, has always worked best for me.
2: Well, that's uh, that's kind of the way I do it, instead of side dressing with a, a granular uh, after they're up and growing, I like to use that, uh, oh, Medina makes a has to grow that, yeah.
0: that I kind of like. Yeah, has to grow plant is what I like, and uh, as you well know, uh, you can get that in five gallon jugs, and it gets a whole lot cheaper. Um, and I, I think Adams can even get it for you that way if you just ask them. Most of the time, they just carry the the gallons, but you can do that, or if you want to run over to Hondo and pick it up, you can get it in a 55-gallon or even a 200-gallon tote. Uh, Stuart's, Stuart's happy to sell you what you need, but I like the liquid because I feel like you cover the entire root zone with it while, you know, side dressing. You're putting all your fertilizer in one area, and folks that say, well, I'm going to dig a little trench and, you know, put my fertilizer in there. Well, you just messed up the roots on that side of the onion plant. So, yeah, liquid's my favorite way to go. It probably takes a little longer. It's a little bit more trouble, but I sure do like my onions.
2: Boy, you're not the only one. Okay, well... uh. Thanks for taking my call, and I wanted to, to ask you about fertilization on the onions, how you you were doing it, and I guess we're on the same page with that.
0: We certainly are, and sure glad to have those onion plants in now, too. I know you grow oh, a lot man. of your own from seed, but most of us uh, busy gardeners who don't have time to do that, uh, finally getting some good onion plants in the nurseries now, and time to, time to get a lot of them in the ground.
2: Have, have you got any recommendations on when it gets real cold, when to cover the onions?
0: You know, I can't say that. I, the thing is, when you first put them out, they're tender. And uh, if it was the first week after I planted them, I'd probably cover if the temperature was going to go really very far into the 20s but my onions i had onions in the ground last year when it got to 15 degrees in my area and i didn't lose anything i think onions uh, if they're properly cared for are a lot hardier than people give them credit for once they're in and established all those plants when you first put them out it's going to take them a little time to i like to just say build up the antifreeze in their sap but uh i've i've never worried much about protecting them what about you
2: yeah i not really, unless the, you're going to get real cold uh, real early, uh, and they they haven't made any size. That's, yeah. I feel the same way. I just I wanted to get your feel for it, just to just to. <laughs> see how the experts uh,
0: well that's the that's the way i i feel when i ask howard garrett about some things and i find about 95 percent of the time we're doing it the same way but you know you just uh there we we all know other people that we can learn from and i've certainly learned a bunch of stuff from you and if i can help you with my experiences it's my pleasure
2: Well, thanks, Bob. I sure appreciate you taking my call and giving me all this good advice.
0: And you get out and have a great weekend and enjoy it, because I know it's not going to stay this way all winter long.
2: Boy, this weather's been
0: great. (laughs) It is. It has, James. So get out and enjoy, and we'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right. Elroy thought of another question. What was that, sir?
1: Oh, again, on my daughter's new house, uh, we went out and dug up some rusty black hogs.
0: Yes, sir. Wonderful and plant.
1: We put them in uh, one of those small tubs, 125 pound tubs. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, kind of get them started and leave them in there about a year and then transplant them. And uh, I've read, uh, well, I've observed also that they kind of sometimes try to create a little moderate, just kind of take over an area.
0: Boy, I've never yeah, had that much luck. I I love rusty blackhaw viburnum, and uh, they will make some seed, but I I sure wouldn't consider them a problem in any way.
1: Okay, so you can find them just about. Anywhere it's in the yard and there won't be a problem.
0: I uh, that's sure been my experience with them. Unless you've got a a strain that's better than the ones that I found. Uh, but no, I rusty black viburnum is, I think, one of the best native plants you can have. And uh, I've never seen a problem with it uh, getting out of hand or you know trying to spread out too much. I, it, they, they make a pretty big plant. I mean, as you well know, they grow eight or ten feet tall and maybe six or eight feet wide at maturity. But I've never had them. You know, put up additional shoots or plants to the point that they were any problem at all.
1: Well, I observed along the fence line, and they put out root shoots and mm-hmm. they come up all over the place.
0: Well, and
1: I, but you would uh, re- uh, recommend training into a tree.
0: Well, I would let them grow as tall as they want. Every time you prune on them, you're sacrificing some flowers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn them into a single trunk tree, but I'd let them grow up with several trunks and then just thin out any of them that seem to be getting, you know, getting out of hand. I, I think, uh, I think that'll be a very desirable plant for her yard.
1: Yeah, it, it's. I love the flowers and. Yeah. Uh, I've never found them in a nursery.
0: They are hard to come by. I mean, I wish we had somebody growing them because they they are just one of the one of those unusual native plants that both grows easily and is very attractive with those flowers. But apparently the growers have a little trouble getting them started. So, uh, but no, uh, I you occasionally will see them in a nursery. All I can say is I wish we had a good source to have more of them because they're sure a good plant.
1: Okay, and then the other customer uh, brought up a question and, and onions. Uh, our, our old German people call these things shallots. Right. Uh, they go there's onions on top
0: of the plant. Right, and uh, there are many kinds. Shallots is sort of a term that is misused because people – People use it talking about a pretty big array of plants. Uh, um, a lot of folks, anytime you have what we always just call multiplying onions, the things that you dig up a portion of and plant the others back. But uh, those little plantlets that are produced up on top of the ones that you're talking about, yes, sir, you can take those and plant those up and uh, and just maintain them from year to year. You just harvest and eat some of them every year and replant the others back in, and you've just got... Uh, you know, old German tradition of just uh, making making use of what you have and just let it make more and more each year. Okay,
1: so shallots is a correct terminology
0: for. Well, it's a. Those are not the only things that are called shallots, but uh, um, there is a distinct group um, that are you know very valued for culinary purposes other than just uh, slicing up all the things we do with onions, but they, uh, call them a shallot, call them a multiplying onion, I think you're fine with either name.
1: I've heard some people call them uh, Egyptian onions.
0: Man, that's another a separate, different one that uh, refers to one specific one of them, but you know, that's the thing with common names, and as uh, long as people know what you're talking about, uh, I think you're just fine.
1: Okay. Well, thanks a lot
0: again. Always a pleasure, Elroy. Thank you, sir. All right. Let's get back to gardening. Uh, next up, well, it's going to be VK, Rosalie, Sandra, and got somebody waiting online at number three. Don's going to give me the name right now. But good morning, VK. Let me punch that button again. Yeah, there we go. Good morning, VK. All right. Good morning. Thank you for
5: taking my call. Thanks. I love your show.
0: Well, appreciate that. Thanks for calling.
5: Yeah. um, I have a question about grass, birds. Okay. We've used cornmeal. We've used weed and seed. And we just can't seem to – it's just in one area of our yard that Mm -hmm. we can't get rid of
0: them. Well, and what is your basic grass that's in that area? Is it Bermuda or St. Augustine or what kind of grass?
5: I think it's St.
0: Augustine. Okay. Here is my advice on on the grass burrs. And I would do two things I would put some good uh, fertilizer down, some good organic fertilizer. And I would get some compost, and I would put in a layer of compost about half an inch thick over that area. I had a place in my yard. Now, this this spot happened to be Bermuda. And, I mean, the grass burrs were so thick you could not walk into it. I fertilized. I put the compost down. And the next spring, where I probably had 5,000 grass burrs the year before, I think I had three plants that I had to pull up and get rid of. Uh, corn gluten meal, oh, wow. I I've never had real good success with it, and weed and feed won't do anything against the type of grassy weed that grass burrs are but i I, and again i have not had any grass burrs in this area since that time it's an area we use for croquet court but all i did was fertilizer a layer of good compost i had just a small handful of grass burrs the next spring and i've had none since then so i'd sure give that a try and see if that doesn't take care of the problem
5: okay Uh um can you recommend like a a
0: fertilizer or you know i would i would go with any of the organic brands medina's growing green is one of the easiest one to find Uh, uh maestro grow makes a good one they call texas tea nature's creation makes a very good one that they call just premium lawn food all of these are good organic products that uh uh, you know, and and they all work extremely well. They're they're based on slightly different materials, but uh, I would go with wherever you find the best uh, the best price and uh, any of those three. Espoma is another good one. You might still find some of Ladybug's eight two four. Those are all great organic fertilizers. Okay, and then we also have
5: clover in our yard.
0: And the compost. Loster. Yeah, clover clover is actually not a problem. Clover is telling you that the soil is very hard. The clover's growing because it's one of the few plants that can get its roots down into hard soil, and it actually has little nodules on the roots that are filled with the uh, bacteria that that actually work at softening the soil. All I put on my clover is I just mow it off if it becomes a problem. But I think if you're able to spread some compost in that area, too, you're going to have a much, much smaller problem with clover.
5: Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I also have uh, one other question about, well, too, actually about oak trees. And Uh that is we have this grayish, it's starting to show on the bark. Uh Uh-huh. And then... And then when you cut the lens off, what is it that you put over it when you cut
0: off the lens? Okay, two whole different questions. The grayish okay. look that you're seeing on the bark is a something called a lichen, L-I-C-H-E-N, if you want to look it up. Totally harmless. It is a uh, oh, okay. unique little plant that's an association of a moss and algae. You're seeing a lot more of it right now because we had such a wet September and October, but it does absolutely okay. no harm to the tree whatsoever. Okay. So just okay. ignore that. As far as sealing the wounds when you cut on those oak trees, um, Anything that seals the wound for about 10 days will do the job. You can always use pruning paint. A lot of people just use any kind of spray paint out there. In fact, some arborists think that water-based is even better than the so-called pruning paint. You could use orange shellac. I mean you could use nail polish that's a ridiculous statement oh. but anything anything that seals that uh that surface for about 10 days after that you don't have to worry about it so i don't think i'd necessarily do fluorescent orange up in the tree yeah. but you use whatever yeah. is convenient for you and it makes no difference whether you paint it on or spray it on
5: okay well that's very helpful uh I appreciate
0: it so much. That's what I'm here for. You call me anytime I can be of any help to you. Okay.
5: Thank you.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Bye. All right. Let's get right on back to these phone lines. Rosalie, Sandra, Victor, and Catherine in that order. Rosalie is first. (laughs) Good morning, Rosalie.
6: Good morning, Mr. Bob. Good morning. Uh, We we live down here in uh, Atascosa County about, uh, oh, maybe six miles north of uh, Poteet. Okay. And uh, I did have a very nice lemon tree a couple of years ago, and that bad freeze that we had back then killed it all the way down to the rootstock. Right. So I took it out, bought another one, put it in the ground, and it has last year, yeah, last year we planted it. This past summer, it did bloom a little bit, and then nothing. And then we got this last freeze. And my husband and I covered it with actually a double um cover of um of um oh, what's the stuff you use?
0: I like insulate, but there's several yes, good roll colors. It, yeah, uh huh
6: that's what it, that double thing of insulate well, it's still uh the very top of it. It's probably about five five and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. It's the very top of that, all of the leaves turned brown, and the outside, about three quarters of a of way down, the outside leaves turned brown. I have not done anything with it.
0: Can I.
6: I take the leaves
0: yeah, on? it's a lot of stuff got burned because that cold hit so suddenly. We had all that rain in September and October, and everything put on a bunch of soft, succulent growth. And, you know, the the cosmetic damage is widespread. I'm seeing damage on Asiatic jasmine, on Viburnum suspensum, plants that don't normally get damaged when it gets to 15 degrees. So I I think it's just cosmetic. I doubt that the stems were harmed at all. Uh, I would expect your new lemon to bloom profusely uh, late January, early February. And all things, you know, being equal, I would expect a good crop of lemons uh, this next year. We just don't know what this winter's going to be, but you got the damage even though you covered it just because that growth was so tender and so soft. Uh, do be prepared to cover it again because we may have, you know, a lot more cold weather before this one's over with, but, uh, I, you know, it's kind of getting like getting your hair singed a little bit or something like that. It doesn't look very good, but it's a temporary problem. It will grow out of it. And that's the same way I feel about your lemon tree. I, I don't think it's, it suffered any damage of consequence. It just, uh, did just so soft tender leaves got nipped a little bit and I wouldn't do a thing
6: just leave the
0: leaves on it. I just leave the leaves on it. Anything that's totally brown it'll look nicer if you trim it off but you know if the leaf is half brown and half green the half green part is still absorbing the sun's energy yeah. and making plenty of nutrient material for the tree so uh, I just look the other way and it puts on a stew green growth next spring but just you know who knows what this winter is going to bring. Unfortunately I expect we're going to see some more pretty pretty severe cold before it's all over with but hopefully uh... Uh, won't be too bad and i think now that we have had at least some cool weather if it goes back into cooling down gradually i don't think even the harder freezes will hurt if it's properly covered
6: okay all right thank you very much sir um for all your help it's uh, we've listened for years
0: well you're very kind <laughs> and it's always been my pleasure honestly call me anytime thank you sir thank you bye bye all right. It's time to talk to Sandra. Good morning, Sandra.
4: Good morning, Bob. I good have a morning. couple of comments and a question for you. All him. right. Um, one of our biologists said that lichens were an indicator of healthy air.
0: Well, that's a good thought. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, c-
4: considering a lot of people think it's a, their problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I will remember that, and I will tell them, that not only are they not harmful, they're a sign that things are going well. It's it's a fascinating thing. I think lichens are just some of the most unusual things, and I actually collected about 10 different kinds of lichens at one point when I was doing some cedar mm-hmm. clearing and things on my property. So uh indication of good air. I'll remember that. Thank you.
4: You're welcome. Um, and then also in the latest, uh, American association for the advancement of science journal, uh, they have a research, uh, article about nicotinamide exposures, disrupt bumblebee nest behavior, uh-huh. social networks and thermal regulation, which you've talked about before.
0: Yes. And I, I that's not a, uh, uh, periodical that I get if you have an opportunity, uh, uh, i'd love to see a copy of it that's uh that's the same thing the neonicotinoids are just devastating i i knew to honeybees but to hear it now about bumblebees that's even more disturbing
4: yeah well i uh, i'll try to drop it by next time i come by to get a uh, a dose of wonderfulness
0: in your nursery <laughs> <laughs> well you get a dose of cider with mulling spice and some homemade cookies just as soon as we have time to get a few more of them going but uh you know we always love to see you but uh i'm and i'm, I'm glad to have more evidence out there i'm sad to hear that the neonicotinoids are uh, are affecting our bumblebees too because there a lot of people don't realize what effective pollinators are bumblebees and i suspect that it could be a problem with the mason bees too which they see are much more efficient pollinators than even the honeybees are so um I, i'm glad to hear about the research getting a little close on news time what was the question that i can help with
4: Okay, the um, mountain laurel that I've talked to you about, uh-huh. uh, that I pull the leaves off, right. the, there, there's still no new growth, and that's been three or four months. They've so got a little bit of growth at the base. And of course, the root flares exposed, uh, do all organic. Uh, is that something you've seen?
0: Well, I unfortunately have seen, and usually it's a root issue. Usually it's from staying too wet. I would, I'm not real surprised that you haven't seen a lot of new growth just because we're getting to the cooler period of the year. I think that, oh, by March, uh, we'll be able to see where the growth is coming back, and i just trim off anything above that point. But if you've got growth from the base, that indicates you've still got some life in the root system, and even if part of the top of the tree has died off from whatever reasons, it should regrow pretty quickly. But, yeah, I'm sorry to say I've seen that on Mount Laurels a number of times, but even if the top by, dies back, they tend to recover quickly. So just be be sparing on the watering, and we'll see how things look in March.
4: Have you noticed the beautiful red colors that suddenly appeared this week?
0: Oh man, I drove up uh, in the oaks. Drove up to North Texas in the oaks, the Bradford pears, uh, the uh, some of the different maples. (laughs) It's turned into a pretty fall after all.
4: It has. Well, you have a great day today.
0: You do the same.